You are listening to Future Net Zero, a platform to help businesses and the wider community improve our lives and our planet by achieving net zero. Welcome to our new podcast series, Gaia Says No, in which we will explore the nature and impact of human activities on the planet. Join Future Net Zero founder Summit Bowes, along with environmental campaigner Angus Forbes and analyst Alex Millward. There will be some strong language. Welcome to Gaia Says No. Uh, I'm Sumit Bose, the founder of futurenetzero.com, a platform to get us talking about net zero for the business world. And as ever, I'm joined by the double A's, the batteries that should always be sitting together, Angus and Alex. Angus, you've, you've globetrotted somewhere else this week, is that right? I've been fortunate, Sumit, thank you. Uh, and great to hear your lovely voice again. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Denia which is just south of Valencia on the eastern coast of Spain. So you just, you're, you're just adding to the carbon footprint singularly of 45,000 people, yes? That's that is true. Didn't fly though, didn't ah. fly, and uh, drove uh, very slowly and calmly across the Pyrenees. On, on, on a tractor, that'd be good, that'd be even better. <laughs> uh, and uh, Alex, please tell me it's just one word. Come on, don't do the double word. You Calm. Didn't. Calm is the day. Ah, oh, calm. Excellent. And let me introduce our special guest. We had a brilliant special guest last week with Cindy Ford, and we've got an even, I can't say even better, an equally good guest with us this week, Anthony Russell. Anthony, how are you? Hi, Summit. Very well, thanks. And unfortunately, like I say to everyone, you know Angus Forbes. Yes, I'm a lucky man. Ah, oh, God, every week they, they get paid for this, don't they, Forbes? Literally. Your bank account no. whittling down in the credit side. <laughs> it's amazing how far a tenner goes these days. It's three ice creams and a, or a favour. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about religion in this episode. And the reason we want to talk about religion is that I think we can get overwhelmed in the science and the politics and the realities of life. But for many people, still the vast majority of the people on this planet, religion is a very big guide in their life. I, I won't say I'm enormously religious, but I follow the Hindu religion, so I, I believe in God, and I've always believed in science as well, and I've managed to sit the two together. Before I bring Anthony in, um, boys, what, what's your take on, on religion? And I don't need to say whether you are religious or not, but the, the way religion plays a very vital part in how people think and act. Um, let's start with you, Alex. Uh, yes, yeah, so my hypothesis on this was that in general, um, certainly the more devout people of religion uh, live a more sustainable life in harmony with what we heard last week, nature's boundaries. And I was sort of looking for evidence to confirm or refute that. Uh, and I think by and large, those who are devout uh, do, do exactly that. And I'll, I'll sort of share a couple of examples later. You know, according to Pew Research Centre, which does a lot of religious investigation, and sort of did a massive review. There's approximately sort of five billion people who assign themselves the sort of the main religions of Christianity, Islam, uh, Hindu. The, the three biggest and next next biggest group is atheist. And before we then come on to some others, it sort of tells me that you know that that already sort of gets over five billion people. And so therefore, given we are consuming more than one planet um, we aren't living sustainably and therefore 
we haven't got people following the the scriptures of their religions all of those main religions actually have got very yeah um consistent you know paris agreement type policies and regulations and guidance yeah are you religious yourself uh i'm a bit more like major barbara um who was a collector <laughs> of religions so i'm i'm fascinated with lots of different religions and also the commonality between the religions despite you know so many wars waged so-called in the names of religion yeah uh, I, I think there's more that combines them than divides them and yet the things which usually man diverts religion for for man's will in my view rather than their god's view uh, and we we get too ensconced in the differences rather than the the massive commonalities that exist yeah uh, uh angus first of all alex i think that was beautifully said i would for me it's the it's the, the word time really is central to my thoughts. Um, you know, I believe we are the first three generations alive to realize that we're running a biosphere with mother nature. And that, that all indications are, is that we'll be doing that for the next thousand years. So when you search around the human species for things that have been around a thousand years or 2000 years, you come across the three major religions um, that Alex just described. And, and in, in each one of those, is the central tenant of take care and live harmoniously with the planet. So I think as we look forward a thousand years, we yeah. can also look back one or two thousand years as well for guidance. So that's why I'm, um, that really uh, uh, captures my attention. And same question, are you religious? Did you, were you raised religiously at all? Or? I, was religious, I was raised as a Christian. Um, so Church of England, Church of Australia, which are very similar. Could I say I'm an atheist for Christ, which is probably, so I, I'm, I, I'm probably an atheist now, but I yeah. really respect, you know, those people who do have a strong feeling about their faith. And I really respect the, the code of behavior that many of these religions um, put forward. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's bring in uh, our special guest this week, uh, Anthony. So Anthony, hello to you. Um, I suppose same question to you. Well, but before we talk about your religious sort of credentials or interests, um, give a little uh, potted history of your background because I, I think you started off as a, is, is an art historian. Is that right? And just tri triggered your interest in religion. What 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 was that? That's right. So I, I sort of call myself a cultural historian and a writer and an artist, um, and I'm a bit of a maverick because I've worked uh, with uh, business such as uh, Luke Hughes in Covent Garden, sort of. Uh, uh, looking after the needs of prestigious buildings. But it was really when I wrote the book Evolving the Spirit that I got a bit of notoriety um, because I really started to think around the ideas of civilization. You know, what was mm. it? Do, did we have it? And how did you get it? Uh, and so that inspired me to, to found the Shandos Foundation, which worked to really try and resolve an awful lot of the differences uh, between people, the, the sort of often silly things that keep people apart. Uh, and that really brings us to religion in a way, doesn't it? Because it's so emotive. Yes. Um, so that's really where I came from, but very much outside the system. So in a way, I'm, uh, I'm not attached to any organization, which means I can really be an outsider uh, and think entirely independently. And I know when I worked in Parliament that people valued that, that I wasn't, you know, lobbying for something. Yeah. Are you religious yourself? Were you raised in a religious manner? Vaguely, yes. My, my 
father had four wives and his fourth wife who brought me up was uh, quite religious. She was a Catholic and he was a sort of old fashioned Anglican. Uh, and yes, I think they always hoped I would go to church regularly and I did for a while and then it sort of fell off like so many people. Yes. But I suppose that's left me with a respect for what religion can be at its best. Uh, even if I've sort of wandered off. Uh, and the assessment uh, you know, of Alex and Angus was for me perfect. I had no problem with anything they said. It just sounded so uh, right. That sort of, the, not only their personal place, which is like so many people, I think they're in that position, uh, but also you know, their respect for people who, who do adhere to a religion. I think finding the middle ground is, is so important, I would have thought. I think the thing is, you know, um, it's one of those things, religion, when you bring it in, and as I said, I, I declared that, you know, I, I believe in God, I believe in, in, in sort of the Hindu system, and, but I am also fascinated by other religions as well, and I, I've never had time to say, well, mine is better than yours or any of that stuff. It's a, it's a funny thing, religion, so I'd like to explore that in the next few minutes, is just, if we go to the beginning of, of what it is and its interaction with the planet, which is what we're talking about, right? So would you say it's fair to say that there's one, one tenet that, of thought that says religion was basically a way to explain science, all right? So uh, the, 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 the monster god swallowed the sun. Well, not really. It, it was basically an eclipse that took place. Uh, oh, you have to have a sacrifice to, to get the rains. Well, the rains were going to come because the winds moved from Sahara and brought the clouds over wherever it was going to come to. You know, uh, we look at to explain things we couldn't explain we've created deities, the God of plenty, the God of fish, the God of whatever you want. In every ancient religion, if you look at the, the tenets of things like uh, ancient Roman gods, um, Hinduism, which has kept the same thing, um, the Greek gods, there were Valhalla, you know, there was a place for gods and there were a God of joy, a God of music, a God of knowledge, all of these things. Do you think that our... Um, uh, sort of interaction between the planet and faith has been a, funda a fundamental part of, of what being human's been about. Absolutely. And it's inescapable, isn't it? It's always been there, as you say. Um, and in a way, statistics are great, they're important, but statistics don't move people. And there's some stage where if you want to move people, and we have to admit, looking back through history, for good or bad, you have got to give them a narrative. And so in a way, we've got yeah. to see religions as having provided a narrative that people could grab onto, and that moved them. It moved them in their head, but more importantly, it literally moved them. It meant you could get them moving. And of course, it created a sense of a corporate oneness. People could unite. Uh, and that, again, was for good or bad. And religions get a terrible uh, time so often from people these days. And one of the reasons is that people see them too literally. So very often they fail to see it as a, a, a means of conveying an inner truth. So in other words, the religions are always saying, look, don't get obsessed with the material, think of the immaterial. And even the word today, immaterial, means it doesn't matter. But of course, immaterial is the same as, well, love is immaterial, isn't it? Or, uh, you know, the, the ideas we have that we cherish most, these ideas, the ethos, is in a sense immaterial. But if you get obsessed with the form, religions have always, I mean, I know a little bit more about Christianity than any other, and Jesus was always going on about don't get obsessed with the bread, 
you know, yeah. that you eat. I'm talking about the bread of life. Or mm. when I talk about water flowing, I'm not talking about what you drink. You know, he was always trying to raise the level. Um, and, uh, you know, so often people sort of fall back to the physical. And you could argue, yes. uh, if I may ramble a bit further, no, ramble. Um, but, <laughs> that, uh, you know, in the, since the Industrial Revolution, the problem has been exacerbated because we've become so materialistic that our brains have been rewired into not really recognizing this other side to our existence, the dignity of humanity, if you like. And we've seen everything in terms of commodities, what we can buy and sell. And so even love has been conveniently confused, uh, you know, in a way as being something that you can buy and sell, which you can't. It's a bit like happiness. You can't yeah. sell happiness. You can sell pleasure. So if you confuse yeah. the two, uh, then, you know, you're on a winner. You can sell, you can sell something to people. So in a way, our, our brains have been hacked since the Industrial Revolution. Do, do you, can you work out, when, you know, the, the studies you did with your book and the, the stuff you've been doing, you know, as you said, with a sort of... Uh, uh, sort of neutral head what is it that makes religion so compelling you said they move people you know they moved the egyptians to create pyramids you know they moved nearly everything that we know whether it's stonehenge or the hindu temples of southern india or the, the pyramids or the great mosque and whatever it is we've built monuments for the name of god why was that so why do you why do you think it's been such a powerful driver to get people to, and as you say, obviously, sometimes with slave labor, all of that, but, but the driver to get the idea was, was that powerful. Is there any reason for why that is? I know, and, and this is such an important question, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, however much religions can be an issue, they're obviously, as we said before, absolutely crucial to humanity, and you have to ask the reason why. And I think it's because, as I was saying before, uh, uh, religion managed to, religions managed to tap those parts of, of humanity that other bits can't get to. And, and, yeah, and if, as I have done, you study, because it, I, it occurred to me, look, if I study the bits that they have in common, maybe those are the bits that really matter. And they do, uh, and uh, I think Angus and Alex were touching upon this, but the idea of love as something limitless, again, love isn't a commodity, and it doesn't really come from us. Uh, and you can use the word God, or you can use the sun, or even Gaia, that's a lovely idea. Mm. So the idea that it is a limitless force, which we just pass on, and the idea that you don't, you can't answer, oh, I might give my love to this person, but not with someone else, it just doesn't work like, a bit like the light of the sun. It is constant. And religions understand that at their core. And they understand the idea of that we need to communicate and uh, commune, this whole idea of communion, um, small c. Uh, and then, of course, the idea that we need to stop and listen and get in the moment. That's shared by all religions. Uh, and the idea of, as I touched on before, the divine, that we are actually some part of something that is really fabulous and wondrous. And we should get that sense of divinity back. Uh, oh, and I might add the idea of ego. So that we really must be careful that we don't go overboard on how important we are because we're just part of a fabulous structure. Um, and that we counterbalance, uh, religions can counterbalance temporal power. You know, as a historian, I know how the princes and the church were in this constant battle. We know yeah. Henry VIII was, for instance. Uh, and so this temporal and spiritual power so they created a sort of counterbalance. But all those ideas, aren't they so crucial to our discussion on the planet? 
and how we make it work. Where do you think, if you look at the commonality, let's do that, right? I mean, let's not worry about what the text is, but pretty much it, it all says, you know, pardon my French, but don't shit on your doorstep, right? Mm -hmm. That's what it says. Yes. Look after your planet. Look after your... In and we were obviously definitely far more connected to the land, and some people still are, but, you know, a as a species, 100, 200, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 years ago, far more connected to that interface between humanity and nature, right, before we built all the things around us. Why do you think nature was such a powerful part of, of of all religions like look after your animals look after the land look after you know the fish and this why do you think that's been fed in into kind of where the these whether you call them commandments or these these guidance notes they all seem to share that commonality don't they well that's that's interesting because of course you know we're asking this question and it's a good question to ask but of course you know go back three four five hundred years and people wouldn't even have understood why you were asking the question, yeah. because they felt so much more part of nature. And maybe our rescue is in re-establishing that connection. The fact that, oh, that's one other thing I didn't mention that religions are good at doing at their core. And that's reminding us that we are all part of the same whole. Now, this is very uh, obvious, you know, if, if people can see humanity as a whole. And you might be able to see, right, we're an animal. Okay, so we're part of the natural world. Yeah. But actually, if you meditate, you eventually, I'm told, get to the position where you don't even see physically a difference between yourself and another animal, between yourself and the table in front of you. Mm. Literally, these are artificial barriers. Absolutely, but science would explain that's true. You and I are the same as a table. If you get to the, to the atomic level, that's all we are. Absolutely. But, but why, why do you think that we've had this thing that, you know, the... Was it simply a guidance note to say, this is your environment and, and we taught each other to look after it through these scriptures in different, in different, different tongues and different voices? Again, sorry, I didn't answer your question, did I? No. I think it's about respect. Right. So right at the foundation of all those religions is an idea of respect. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, if nation states or individuals get hold of those religions, they begin to be corrupted. And so that respect begins to get specific. Uh, you must respect us and not them. You must respect this lot and not that lot. Yes, and I'm afraid that's something that, that slowly creeps into religions. But go back to their foundation. And there was an idea that you must respect the divinity, if you like. That's a word. Or if you like dignity, if that's an easier word for people, the dignity of the world. So in that respect, respect you respect everybody and everything because you begin to realize well hang on you stamp on that ant uh, and you're standing mm -hmm. on yourself in a way yeah yeah the 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 before i bring the boys in i want to just cover a, a couple of parts let's skip forward a few as you say to the industrial revolution and, and, and the period pretty soon after that would you say the enlightenment the the discovery of science uh, what science can do, discovery of how we interact with things. Did that start to diminish our respect? Because once you can explain it, fear it, and if you, in an element of fear, is you respect it, oh, well, I won't go there, I won't do that, I won't take that. But if you think, actually, I can take 20 fish, because I know they're gonna have another 50 fish, well, then I might take 60 fish. Um, did, did you think that, 
scientific enlightenment, which has helped us so much, has in a way come at a cost for our religious kind of um, guidance on, on, on things like the planet. Yes, I, I think it has. Um, and I think, in a sense, religions, again, have an analogy they use. It is only an analogy, I think, but in, in Christianity, it was the notion of the Tower of Babel. So yeah. in a sense, this is uh, those that study democracy are very aware that increased power uh, to a small and smaller number of, of people or an individual always corrupts. Because yeah. in a sense, you begin to think, oh, my goodness, I've got this sewn up. I am uh, God. Course, I am God myself. I it. am yeah. God. Yes. Yeah. And so it's as if religions have always tried to address this fact that, you know, keep modest, try and keep the ego under control. And it looks like it, you know, so often can get out of control. So, yes, I think the Enlightenment was part of us thinking, well, I think we've got this sewn up. Uh, and of course, we did make huge leaps in understanding, but we sort of lost, you know, where we came from. And in a way, I suppose what religions do is, you know, you you can get the how and the what and the where, but it's the why, the, the, mm. the, you know, why bother? I think in, in an early one of your uh, sessions of this, uh, you did say, well, you know, why? Why, yes, why should we bother? I remember you saying that. Yeah. And religions can can really help to say, look, why this matters. When we look at where we are now, and let's come forward to today, as uh, Alex was saying with his stats, you know, still the majority of human beings believe in God, right? Yes. So we all live on this planet, and we can all say that, frankly, we're fucking it up. Yeah, we're causing lots of damage, whether that be overfishing, that be pollution, whatever it is, doesn't matter. What will drive us to do something about it? Because we could say... It's the politicians, it's the science, it's, you know, it's activism, it's strikes. But we sort of ignore the power of the religious pull to do something. Do you think that power still exists? I do. I do fundamentally. And this is why, you know, I've been listening to this podcast and I've been so impressed by the level of, of debate. And I'm honoured to be with you. Um, <laughs> because I, I really think that, you know, I hope that, that, bring, that wisdom to bring in this element of religion is so important because what it does is try to create a narrative. And, and you know, with all the statistics, you're never going to get there, as I think you're intimating. And yeah. there's a powerful narrative. And I don't know whether you are, but I'm a, um, a, a bit of a disciple of, of Yuval Harari. But there are many others who are saying the same thing. Yeah. I think George Monbiot actually has been brilliantly articulating this recently. Yeah. The idea that we'll need, we're going to need a new a dialogue, a new uh, paradigm, if you like, whatever you want to use. Uh, there's got to be this powerful message. Uh, and this message, I would have thought, uh, is now more and more clearly about this idea of the universality of the world, the fact yes. that we can respect everyone. And, and it's very easy for people to say, well, I can't respect what they've done. They're a mass murderer, for yeah. instance. But nobody's asking you to admire what they do, but to respect them as someone who has as much right to be on the world in the world as you. And I think this, this does, I, I mentioned democracy, but I think it's fundamental to an idea of democracy. Because what we do is we set up an independent judiciary. And the whole point about that is that independently it decides if you've broken the law. We've vaguely put these laws together. We've agreed them. 
then the judiciary independently judges people. So we don't have to. And that's the point. We can then say we're all part of the same thing. And I suppose that comes back to this idea of a global authority, doesn't it? Because if we've got a framework, a simple framework that we've all agreed to, then we can say, look, we don't have to judge, you know, Russia or China or the United States, because this will be done independently under a set of simple rules that we've set up between us. And that is dignity, isn't it? That is, you know, divine. But could those rules be religious? Could we get the world's religions to unite and say, do this for the sake of our planet? I don't see why not providing that it goes to the core of what those religions want. And I, and I think we've, you know, we, we've clarified that they really do want people to uh, love each other, to uh, cooperate, um, to stop and take time to meditate or, or um, pray or however you call it, etc, yeah. uh, etc. Et and when it comes within those parameters, I think people will. But then there'll be a group of people, and I might be amongst them, who are sort of vaguely religious, uh, who will find this uh, as an opportunity to clarify the terms on which I want a religion. Mm. It really must respect everyone. And if there's yeah. a religion that says we're good, but they're bad, yeah, that's maybe it. that's a warning sign that needs to be flagged up. Um, boys, let's bring you back in. What's your take on all of this? Uh, Angus. Wow, you've just taken us around the world and back again, haven't you? Um, uh, some, some things stood out for me. Um, you know, building something, respect, dignity, and seeking in inner truth. I just, I just feel so strongly that the religious community, the five billion, uh, can lead us into a, a far better position. I believe that we, we need global governance and maybe the religions in looking at their very long-term nature will take us to that point. I'd yeah. like to maybe, maybe just make a contribution of some quotes and then before Alex chips in, maybe that Go might on. On. help a little bit. But some recent quotes. From Pope Francis, the urgent challenge to protect our common home includes the concern to bring the whole family, human family together. That was last year. Ode El Jahusi, a professor and head of innovation of Arabian Gulf University in Bahrain, says that the Islamic worldview defines a good life as living lightly on earth. Mm -hmm. and caring for both people and nature. As you know, Sumit, Ahimsa is an ideal of Hinduism. Yeah, absolutely. To avoid harming any living thing. And of course, uh, Gandhi was a big proponent of that. And Prime Minister Modi recently said, while global warming poses a serious threat to the world and mankind, the message of love for our environment is extremely essential which he believes is central in the Hindu faith. And lastly, in Confucianism, Confucius taught us that the root of goodness is wisdom and that we should love the ritual and become junsai, which in Chinese philosophy is a person whose humane conduct makes him or her a moral exemplar. It's right in front of us, isn't it, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love that. And I would even, even uh, add uh, Jenna talking about Pakistan. When they first yes. set it up, he was determined that anyone of any religion would be welcome to live within uh, uh, Pakistan. Really? And, but that's the, the, the reality, isn't it? The, the ideals are always great. And then they get corrupted yes. by the politics of it. They get corrupted by the power. They get corrupted by, as you said, 
Anthony the ego. Uh, Alex, you've been very quiet on this. Come on, <laughs> let's 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 get let's get the Mill, Millwall take on it. Uh, yeah, I suppose, I suppose the 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 view that I've got is I, I would love for all the religions to combine uh, and be a, a force to follow their own follow their own scriptures. But the, but the evidence is 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 that we aren't, and where they do, it doesn't change enough. Uh, and this is partly where I think religions can be corrupted, as Anthony said, uh, for for typically man's will rather than uh, their God's will. Uh, and but I loved you know that positive force of love that a Anthony corralled. I mean, I, I'd, I'd often thought that religion is often a form of hope, particularly where people feel powerless in the force of you know greater. Yes. Um, you know, great, greater forces, you know, Mother Nature, and to explain the unexplainable. I mean, the one that I can't sort of get over is, you know, where does life come from? Science has not explained that first yeah. spark. And, and, you know, faith is faith because it's a belief rather than a rational, scientific, provable point. And, you know, that, that's where its power comes from and that love comes from. But, you know, despite, you know, all of the religious leaders, um, you know, prophesizing good living. I, I think we give the religions give clearer guidance, yes, no guidance with how to work with each other than they do with Mother Nature. So, you know, do not kill, do not steal, do not covet thy neighbor's wife. Very clear you, whether you're in or you're not. And religion is arguably, you know, the early form of authority, as we were talking about yeah. last week. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas, you know, take Hindu, you know, Bhumi, Mother Earth. Mm. provides for our needs generously and we must reciprocate with gratitude um, yeah, we, talk about in, in India quite, and the pollution in the rivers is shocking you know? yeah we agree with the principle but very hard mm. yeah. to sort of come through so I, I think some guidance and of codification and then where, where we have seen them come together in the Philippines Catholics and Muslims combine to say yes to God no to coal in yeah. 2016 and yet Philippines commissioned uh, a heap of coal power stations um and now 75 percent of the philippines is on fossil fuel generated electricity so you know even where they have come together they've not been able to but you know, my, my hope is they can so in afghanistan you know, the the government the environment government uh, agency is working with the imams uh, to plant trees because as we've talked about early on you know it's the it's the poorest Yes. nations and individuals who are going to suffer the most from the climate change and so that you know they're working actively so i'm really hopeful that the religious collectives can be a real force for living the principles that are talked about and and often ignored by us humans for not following the, the will of of the religion i mean there is a there is a, a cynical view anthony which you'd expect me to put as a cynical old hack which is <laughs> poor people have god you know, rich people have science and iPhones. And so, you know, if you're poor, you turn to God, which you hope will bring you the better life. Uh, and so, in a sense, is there, a, is there a, a call that, how do you stimulate the people that Alex said would be most vulnerable to climate change and, and destruction of the natural earth? Maybe the, the way to reach them is through God, or is it, sadly, the economics is, is, is now the new religion of the whole world. It's a good point. And I, I do totally agree with Alex. 
that uh, if we make an approach direct to religions, it could well be as futile as making a direct approach to politicians mm. uh, or billionaires, possibly, um, because they're vested in the establishment, in convention. Um, and, but I don't think that's the clever approach, because in a sense, what uh, uh, Angus and uh, Vote GPA is so good at is saying, look, there's a space here. Uh, and of course, it's so fundamental, isn't it, to even the idea of an entrepreneur that, you know, you create money out of nowhere. And in a sense, a visionary does that. They see a space and <clears> some <throat> people will say, oh, well, hang on, there's nothing there. What can you do? This is bollocks, to quote somebody yeah. recently. Um, and, then, and yet, it's because someone moves into that space and says, look, we can do it. There's something we can do. And a visionary can draw people into it. And so in a sense... Uh, uh, religious people and what's at their very core, their spirit, again, it's back to the spiritual side of this, if you like, the ethics, they will be drawn to it, but go through the front door to religions. And yes, I totally agree, that would not be the right way to do it. But they, I, I do believe they will come on board as soon as they see that this really works for them on a, on a spiritual level, on an ethical level, and they understand the significance. Ryan, let me throw this out to all of you. I mean, say we, say we had COP tomorrow. Should we have the, the religious leaders of the world there? Um, I'd say yes. Yes. Because we, we need everybody leaning in towards it. And I, I think the, the leaders, I think like most government leaders, yes, there are some, some isolated individuals, believe in you know, living in harmony with, with Mother Nature and nurturing it, not, not harming it. But I think go back to your point, I think it's, it's the, the people who aren't as devout as those who are willing to get up and be leaders who, who distort it. I was looking at Tata Steel in Port Talbot recently. Um, yeah. You know, Tata, father of the industry of India, um, described as Zoroastrian, yeah, uh, yeah. a small, small minority religion, but you know, pretty, pretty strong founded. And yet it's only the, the Birch funding from governments grow back better in the UK where any government support needs to contribute to net zero that has triggered a shift mm. from the blast furnace energy needed for steel very very high energy very very high carbon requirement to convert to electric furnace which has mm. uh, you know restrictions in what you can do but it's that funding economic drive not a religious drive which has caused that and there's a, equally a, a consequence of back to these choices of the electric furnaces require fewer jobs. So an awful lot of people in the unions in that area are very worried about that shift. Whilst there'll be a, a net carbon reduction, there'll be a, a significant, and for that area, massive um, reduction in jobs. So again, it comes back to these choices and, and who pays. But I don't think that was a religious move that drove that. It was an economic one. Angus, your take. You've been quiet on this. At COP tomorrow, all the world's religions there. With yes, it. I think. I think I agree with the boys. I, I think absolutely in that they represent a different timeline. They, would, they, they wouldn't even have to say anything. Right. Just to remind people that you're talking about consequences that are dealing in centuries, which is the way that they think. Yes, of course. Uh, the politicians thrash things out and are thinking about one year here, five years there. They would, they would literally be able to sit, sit there mute and they, I think they would have a, a huge effect. Um, but I, I to, to, to relying on religions, that other point that we, you know, and, and you're right, I, I, I agree as well, you know, you don't just want to rely on them, but I think they may really come up uh, to scratch, actually. 
Well, you reckon they could be the lever to push us in the direction? I think they may, they may well be a huge lever uh, in this because when in the history of, Mus of Islam, since the middle of the 7th century, and when in the history of Christianity in the last 2,000 years, and Judaism longer than that, and Hinduism longer than that, when in those two millennia has the nexus between humanity and the environment been so acute? Yeah. It's never been like this. And I think if they, as, as our religious leaders, um, seek inner truth, I think that they will, they will move people with a different narrative, one of respect, one of building, one of divinity, one of dignity. I think it's gonna be the most exciting couple of decades ahead um, for the fusion and the power of religion for the good of nature. Can non-religious and religious people unite over this issue, Anthony? Yes, they can, providing they don't get stuck on the form. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, if they get obsessed with the word religion, oh, I hate religions, look at the hell they've created. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm green, but I hate religion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As long as they don't get themselves stuck in a pigeonhole. And of course, this is a very contemporary issue, isn't it? That we're getting more and more partisan. And so if we can fight that, uh, which I think um, uh, the idea of a, of a, a truly global authority does that. It just allows us to clarify what we share and what we really care about fundamentally. Could I just add on, on a point that, from earlier that you were talking about uh, the Enlightenment uh, and of course it did create advantages for the individual. Uh, so the inv individual was for instance in the 16th century able to read the Bible in English. Absolutely yes. And so that was very important development for individual understanding. But in a way, that corporate understanding has slightly been lost. And so religions are very good at bringing us back to, well, it's not just about in each individual. You know, we have a, a corporate presence. We've really got to think beyond ourselves and our own needs to the needs of, you know, our neighbors, our nation. But now more and more the whole earth because we're all in it together. Is there such a thing as faith? Of course there is. Because I, every day I have faith that the sky won't fall on my head. <laughs> that when I walk down the street, someone won't stab me in the back. I mean, they might, but you have faith that they won't. That's faith. For me, for me yeah, yes, absolutely. You know, anyone who believes in a, in, in a higher being has faith because they don't have fundamental first-hand proof. Um, and so you know, they, they have to have faith or you know, hearing from others who, who have had that or uh, you know, passed it down. So yes, fundamentally there is. The, the one point I was going to just add was, yes, we absolutely need religion. Yes, they can unite, and, but we can't, we can't rely on them. And, and, and actually the one group we've talked about who've, who've spent a lot of nature's budget, particularly the carbon emissions, has been a very small minority of the world's population, typically white, typically in Europe and the US. Yeah. And there's a, well, there's a Dr. Yeah. Catherine Hayhoe, who aside from having a great name, um, sort of studied in particular the US evangelical Christians yeah. um, who seem to be the ones who are much more know this is God's will these climate changes are God's will mm. um, and then you know the Pew Research Center have sort of shown that there's a much stronger correlation between individuals political persuasion than their religious affiliation um, and again you know they, they get mixed up between the two but the, the ones that worry me um, 
are us, you know, the higher consumers. Yeah. Um, and you're sort of hiding behind a religion, uh, when in actual fact it's other forces which are consuming us to, to take out more than we're giving to, to Boomi or Mother Nature or Gaia. It, and, and that's the point, isn't it, Angus? I suppose that at the end of the day, it is that balance of between what drives us, you know, God's teachings to say respect, use less, or the, that fundamental thing of bettering ourselves, which we covered in episode right number one, uh, and also, you know, the way the economic system works across the world. Yeah, you're so right. But don't we feel great when you've done something for someone else? Don't you feel, you know, so... I feel like every week when we talk about <laughs> more when you, when you planted a tree, you know? Yeah, no, true. You just feel so wonderful. And I think that that's, that's what will win the day. I really believe in it. Can I, can I quote, I, I, the last thing I'd like to say, if I may, is just another passage of a quote by Pope Francis, if I may. Yes. He described man's destruction of the environment as a sin and accused mankind of turning the planet into, quote, a polluted wasteland full of debris, desolation and filth. Climate change is also contributing to the heart-rendering refugee crisis. Mm. The world's poor, though least responsible for climate change, are most vulnerable and already suffering its impact. We must not be indifferent or resigned to the loss of biodiversity and the destruction of ecosystems. Because of us, and I really love this last line, because of us, Thousands of species will no longer give glory to God by their very existence. We have no such right. Yeah, that's a fairly powerful statement. Anthony, your final thoughts? Well, I'd like to quote that great visionary, Cindy Ford, because I remember, <laughs> I remember she was talking about the idea of a higher authority. And that's the link, isn't it? If we can find that connection uh, that from nature uh, and all religions have this powerful idea of nature, of God, of uh, 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 ultimate force. Uh, but if we can find the common goals uh, that, that are around this idea of, of a, a higher authority or a dignity, uh, then I think this is really going to, going to be exciting. I, I'm really up for this. Excellent. Do you know what? That's a brilliant point to end. Uh, Angus, Alex, thanks as ever. And Anthony, thank you so much for joining us. Hope you enjoyed it. Real pleasure. I loved it. Thanks, Summit. I do hope you've enjoyed listening to Gaia Says No. Please subscribe to futurenetzero.com. Get involved. Use the hashtags. Get in touch with Alice and, and, and Angus. They're all over LinkedIn. They're desperate for publicity, particularly Forbes, aren't you? <laughs> I'll take any publicity. <laughs> Ladies and gents, thanks very much for listening. And we'll see you very soon. Thank you for listening to Gaia Says No. Don't forget to subscribe. Future Net Zero. Better business, better planet.